At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. Well, today we get a chance to complete a series that we've been in uh, really over the past summer. How many have enjoyed our journey through the Psalms? How many have enjoyed our journey through the Psalms? I want to say thanks to Pastor John Jelinek, our executive pastor for leading last week while we were celebrating our anniversary. But I'm grateful to be back this week. And here's what the whole purpose of these Psalms have been. It has been to encourage you to know that God has called you and I to be a part of a spiritual family. That Christianity should never be experienced simply in isolation. Uh, we should not buy into the broader culture's um, uh, tendency towards hyper-individualism. No, we are a spiritual family that's been called together so that we can celebrate the fact that our sins have been forgiven in Jesus, that we have been uh, brought together by the blood of Christ, and that we are called to live on mission with our great God. We're called to live on mission with our great God. And God has a huge plan for redemption. His mission is not just local, but it is global. And today I want us to unpack one part of the massive redemptive plan of God. And we're going to do so by looking at Psalm 67. So you can join me there, Psalm 67. It's a beautiful psalm. Now here's what the psalmist is asking. Here's the question the psalmist is asking. He is asking the question, why does God bless us? Have you ever thought about that for just a moment? Why does God bless us? In order to answer that question, you have to already be convinced that God has been good, that God is good to us on an individual level. How many can say that in spite of everything that's happened this year, in spite of everything that's going on around you, how many can still say right now that God is good? How many can declare that from the bottom of your heart, right? But the psalmist is not just looking at God's blessing on an individual level. Praise God that you can say, that I can say, that God is good. But the psalmist is asking a bigger question. Why has God blessed us? Why does God bless us as his people? And he seeks to answer that through the verses of this psalm. I want to encourage you to ponder that question because that question and the answer to that question should drive the way that we live our lives. And what we're going to discover, and kids, if you have your notes, here's the big idea today that you want to fill in. And uh, you'll get some uh, treats after this uh, particular service as we get ready for our picnic. But here's what it says, God blesses his people for the good of the nations. God blesses his people for the good of the nations. In other words, the reason why God blesses us is because he wants to, through us, bless the people of the world. Now, maybe this is something that's uh, not uh, been on the front burner of your life. Maybe you have not even been aware that God had the world in mind when he redeemed you 
and me and called us to be a part of a spiritual family. Or maybe you were aware of it and maybe it's kind of a footnote to your faith that, yeah, God wants to bless me and use me, but the whole nation's thing floats somewhere in the distant background. Well, God wants to bring his desire to bless the nations to the forefront of our faith because that has always been his desire and always been his motivation behind blessing his people from Israel to the church to you and I. He has called us together and he has been, he has been so good to us. He has blessed us because he wants to bless the nations. God blesses us for the good of the nations. Now, as we get ready to read through Psalm 67, I feel compelled to explain to you the structure of Psalm 67. You might not be able to notice its literary structure just by reading it in English, but if you studied it in its original language, you would see that it's something known as a chiasm. Now, what is a chiasm? Let me explain this uh, $5 word, if you will. A chiasm is simply a literary tool in which the uh, the writer writes uh, Writes in, in, in parallel, using parallel elements laid out in an inverted way to drive home a big meaning. Let me just say that again. It's a literary tool where the writer uses parallel elements laid out in a, in a passage in an inverted way to bring about meaning. And some of you may say, well, that didn't help. That definition was worse than the word itself. So let me just use an illustration uh, of a song. Uh, a song has a typical structure. This is how uh, we're used to a song going. It goes uh, verse, chorus, bridge. Verse, chorus, bridge. But in a, a chiasm, instead of it going verse, chorus, bridge, it goes verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, verse. The outer sections relate to one another, and then as you move inward, the intersections relate to one another, and the bridge is right there in the middle, and the bridge is the main point. And that's exactly the way this particular psalm is laid out. The outer sections relate to one another. Then as we move closer, the inner verses will relate to one another, but the bridge is right there in the middle. And what is the main point of this song? The main point of this song is not only does God bless us for the good of the nations, but he explains how God blesses us for the good of the nations, or put another way, how you and I as a church family can bless the nations. How many want to join God in his mission of blessing the nations? I see some little hands going up all over uh, this church and some big hands too. Let's look at verses one and two, and then we're going to look at verses six and seven. And I believe there's a big point that's going to come out of this, and that is that one of the ways we bless the nations is to pray for God's blessing for the nations. Look at verses one and two. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. Everyone say all. All. Imagine how those were of that word would have been heard in Jewish ears. You know, so often we misunderstand the nature of God's love for the Jewish people. We think that God loved the Jewish people more than he loved all the rest of the people of the world. But the fact of the matter is, as John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the 
world that he gave his only begotten son. That tells me that God loves equally all the people of the world. But yet there is a unique love, a unique covenantal relationship with Israel in, in this, in that God chose Israel as a covenant people so that through Israel, he might bless the nations of the world. In other words, Israel becomes his instrument for blessing the rest of the nations of the world. It is significant that in Psalm 67, the psalmist's answer to why has God blessed us is because of all the nations, what he wants to do with all of them. Look at verses six and seven. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The psalmist starts in verses 1 and 2 looking at the spiritual blessings of God, but then in verses 6 and 7, he gets to the practical provisions of God. He's literally thinking about the harvest, and he says that the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us in order to do what? So that all the ends of the earth, all again here, the ends of the earth fear him. This vision to reach the ends of the earth does not start in the book of Acts. No, my friends, it starts well before that. As a matter of fact, this blessing that the psalmist is referring to that recently has been made a very popular song is what's known as the Aaronic blessing. It's the blessing that God instructed Moses to give to Aaron, the first high priest of Israel, and to his sons. Keep your finger where it is right now and turn with me to Numbers to the book of Numbers, and we're going to look at uh, chapter 6. Book of Numbers, chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 22 through 27. This is Aaron, and Moses is blessing the high priest Aaron. And listen to what it says. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus, you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. Does that sound familiar? The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. What a significant moment in the uh, redemptive history of Israel. Literally, God is making them his people, putting his name on them. He says to them that uh, the Lord is going uh, to bless you, Israel, and make his face to shine upon you. This this, uh, metaphor, the face of God shining upon Israel, represents his presence and his power. His favor will be upon them as he looked towards them. But I want you to notice as we go back to Psalm 67, how the psalmist makes a slight adjustment to the ironic blessing. Instead of saying, may the Lord bless you, he says, verse 1, may God be gracious to us. Notice that he's including not only him, but the present generation of his people in this blessing. He saw, he recognized that the blessing of God was upon them as a nation. I want you to see that, friends. 
I want you to see that God's blessing is upon us. And you can say, man, I look around and I've experienced loss and death and brokenness and the consequences of my own mistakes. How can you say, Pastor Chris, that the blessings of God is upon me? Well, let me just tell you and start with the basics. Do you have breath in your lungs today? And the church said, amen. Well, you're blessed. Do you got blood in your veins today? And the church said, amen. Well, you're blessed. Have you been forgiven today? today, my friends. Well, you are blessed. Is Jesus coming back for you? Well, you are blessed. Don't ever think that the, the light and momentary afflictions that we experience here cancels out the blessings of God. God loves you. He's forgiving you. He saved you, and he's coming back for you. So let all the people rejoice and declare that we are blessed. Amen. We are blessed. But here's the question, my friends, why has God blessed us? Verse 2 is the answer that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. This is the gospel advancement. This, my friends, is missions personified. This is God's plan for all people to know that Jesus saves, that salvation comes through Christ alone, that he is the Messiah, that he is the promised Christ that he is the anointed one sent as the Lamb of God, the one who would bear the sins of all humanity, the one who comes to give grace and mercy. If you've not heard this good news, let me just tell you, all have sinned, you and me included. We are all united in our failure, but yet we have found a place for forgiveness, restoration, and salvation. And his name is Jesus, and he is not just my personal Savior, he is the Savior of the world, and what God wants is for the nations that are trapped in darkness to come to the marvelous light of the knowledge of His Son, so that through faith in Christ, they can know mercy, they can know grace, the same mercy and grace that has saved us, God is making available to the world, and that is why He's blessed us. He has blessed us because he wants us to have a heart to get this blessing out to the nations. So as you think about why God has blessed me, your heart should be with a passion to say, God, I know why you blessed me so that I might be able to help, so that we might be able to help to get the good news, the grace of Christ out to the nations. I want to illustrate this for just a moment, this connection between blessing and God's purposes. Imagine for just a moment, uh, it was um, in your family, one of the grandparents' birthday, and uh, you're having a conversation with one of your kids, and you say, hey, would you like to get a, a gift for grandma for her birthday? And the kid says, yes, I would love to get a gift for grandma for her birthday. And so you give the kid a $20 bill and send the kid off to the store to get the gift for grandma for her birthday. Well, the gift comes back. It's grandma's birthday party. It's in a nice little gift bag. Grandma opens up the gift bag and there's a $2 gift in the gift bag. What are you thinking? I'm telling you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, what happened to the other 18 bucks that I gave you? Now imagine you asking a kid, what happened to the $18 I gave you? They say, oh, I, I pocketed that for myself and used that on video games or candy or whatever they desire. How would you be feeling in that moment? Would you feel a little bit cheated, a little bit disappointed, a little bit robbed? Well, this is what happens when God blesses us and we forget the purpose of why he's blessed us. 
When God blesses us and we have no heart, no passion for the nations, God is looking at us saying to us, have you forgotten the whole reason why I blessed you? Have you forgotten the whole reason why I've let my favor be upon you? Have you forgotten the reason why I've caused my kindness to be upon you? Because I want to see the nations blessed. Now imagine if that story was inverted and the gift that was opened up by grandma or grandpa was an $18 gift. How many feel a little bit different now? A little bit different now. And this is our, the heart of our God. It doesn't mean that we can't play for blessings for ourselves. The Bible throughout encourages us and gives us all of these examples of men and women who prayed, Lord, bless me. Lord, bless my children. Lord, bless my grandchildren. It's fine to pray that as long as you pray that in light of God's purpose behind blessings, as long as when you're praying, God, bless me, you're thinking about the nations as well. Lord, bless our family. Bless my children so that your gospel can be advanced. Lord, bless our grandchildren so that they may know you and serve you in reaching the nations. How many want God to use your family, your children, your grandchildren to reach the nations? And how many want God to use our church to reach the nations? So part of the way that we can apply this particular point is begin now praying. We got 68 missionaries that we support all over the world, and it's growing. I want you to begin to pray for them. Not only do you pray for Pastor Tony, yesterday I was on the phone with uh, one of our missionaries. His name is Ashok. And Ashok is in India, northern India. And I said to Ashok, Ashok, how can I pray for you? And he says, Pastor Chris, pray. God has opened up a door for us to be able to reach university students here in northern India. How many can join me in praying for our brother Ashok and those who are ministering with him to reach university students in India? My friends, we have missionaries that are doing great work in Thailand, in India, in Mexico, in Rome, Italy, in places all over this world. We need to pray for them, and not just praying for them, but yesterday morning, I had the joy of spending time with a new group of future missionaries called uh, the Woodside Global 100. These are young men and women who have answered this call of our church to say yes to serving God with their lives in cross-cultural ministry, some here and some abroad serving the global church. Most of them are in their 20s. How many praise God that a new generation of mission-minded Christians are being raised up right here in our own church? And how many can join me in praying that Woodside would be one of the great sending churches of our country, that we would be sending men and women into cross-cultural ministry all over the world, and that God would use them to support the nationals there so there could be a multiplied advancement of the gospel of disciples who make disciples who make disciples. This, my friends, is why God has blessed us. So we start by prayer. But secondly, as we look at the next part of this chiasm, is, is we can bless the nations by calling for God's praise among the nations. Look at verses 3 and 5, and they're going to sound really familiar. Verse number 3, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. 
Verse five, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. This, my friends, should sound familiar. It's the exact same verse uh, twice. This is what you call in a song, the chorus. Now, what is the chorus? The chorus is the catchy part. It's the part that should be in your mind as you're going throughout the day. The chorus is the part you're humming as you're working. The chorus is the hook of the song, the part of the song that you remember if you don't remember any of the verses. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Can you imagine being a Jew in Israel after leaving your time of worship with the people and this song is going over and over again in your mind? Can you imagine going home that day for dinner, waking up for work the next morning and what's humming in your head? It's let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. That word praise in the Hebrew means to proclaim the greatness of an individual. What what God is saying is that he wants, now get this, all the nations everywhere to declare his greatness. Now herein lies the problem, friends, is that there are certain places right now around this world that are not currently praising God. There are certain places around the world right now that aren't praising Yahweh. Certain places around the world right now that they're not having worship like we just had worship, where they're saying, thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace. And what God says is, that's a problem, and I want you to help to solve that problem. My friends, this is the purpose of missions. The purpose of missions is to bring praise to places where there is not praise currently. And when you think about this world, there are certain places that are called frontier people groups. And these are places where there is no or very little witness of the gospel. There aren't churches. There may be a few believers, but, 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 but very few. There are certain people groups where there's zero believers. And that means that there are pockets on God's planet where people he created don't know about him and aren't praising him. But then he creates this thing called the church to solve that problem, you and I, and he blesses us. And if you want to know why he's been so good to Woodside, why he's been so good to you and I, it's so we can take praise to places where there are no praise, where there is no praise, where the people currently are not praising him. How do we do it? Either we go into the deep well of cross-cultural ministry, or we stand on the other side uh, holding the rope for those who are going down in that well of cross-cultural ministry and saying, I will support you as you go. Either we go or we give, but whatever we do, we commit ourselves to helping to advance praise where there is no praise. In his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, Dr. John Piper shares this whole thought of praise being the purpose, worship being the purpose behind missions. Listen to to, to this excerpt. It says this, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Now, if I stop there, that would sound heretical. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is, he goes on to say. 
Missions exist because worship does not. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and the goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the people and the greatness of God. The goal of missions, yes, rejoice, is the gladness of people and the greatness of God. And so part of what we should be praying is that uh, if there are pockets in Eastern Europe where they aren't praising God for His greatness, that they would, would begin to praise Him. If there's parts of Western Europe where they're not praising God, that they would praise Him. If there's parts of Asia where they're not currently praising God, that they would praise Him. Yeah, in South America too, yes, God, even in Africa and in the Middle East, that wherever there is not currently praise, that there would be praise. Another way that we answer this desire of God is by being a church for all nations. As a church, we should reflect the heart of God for all people. And one of the things that I've loved about being a part of Woodside in my short time being a part of our wonderful family is that God has placed here the seeds of the United Nations. You will meet people from all over if you spend enough time hanging around Woodside. God has literally brought the nations to our doorstep. As a matter of fact, the city that we're in is one of the most diverse cities in our entire state. People from all over the world are right here in our own backyard. May we be a place where people from all backgrounds come together as one spiritual family, lifting up praise to our great and glorious God. How many want to see that? How many want to see that happening? Well, then we get to the bridge. Verse number four is the bridge. And verse number four is a celebration of God's rule over the nations. That's the third point. Celebrate God's rule over the nations. Look at verse number four. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the nations be glad. Man, the English doesn't give this enough emphasis. Uh, Let the nations rejoice. Let the the nations uh, bubble over with joy and excitement. Why? For you judge the people with equity because of your rule over the nations. I'm going to unpack that for just a moment, but let me just remind you of what the bridge is in any song. The bridge in any song is the crescendo. It is where the instruments and the vocals reach their high point. It is the most glorious part of any song. It is when the song reaches its high point. And if you want to know the high point, the high note of uh, Psalm 67, it is verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why? For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. The psalmist is not thinking about his day when he writes this. He is thinking about that day when God will come and he will fully establish his reign, his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now, 
Jesus, and this is what Mark 1 teaches us, Jesus, when he comes, he announces the inauguration of that mission when he says the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom was at hand because the king of the kingdom, who is Jesus, had come in his earthly ministry. But as many theologians will tell you, we are living in a time that is uh, titled the already but not yet. The already part is the fact that God's kingdom has come. The not yet part is that it's not coming its full manifestation yet. It is going to come and Jesus is coming back and when he comes back, he is going to right every wrong. What the psalmist is recognizing is what you and I can recognize, and that is the world that we live in is marked by evil and brokenness. How many agree with me on that? All you got to do is cut on the news. I don't care what background you have. The one thing universally we can agree on is that this world is marked by tremendous brokenness. But here's the good news, friends, is that our king is coming back again. Our king is coming back again. And when he comes back, he's going to right every wrong. And God wants the nations to look forward in hope. He doesn't want the nations to be gripped by the darkness of their current despair, but he wants nations that are ruled by tyrants and nations that are ruled by corruption and nations that are marked by violence. He wants them to be able to, in the midst of that brokenness, say, but yet we still have a hope. And hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And he is our great king, and he is coming back again. We're going to pray for the nations in just a moment. But before we do, let me just use one more illustration to bring home this point. Imagine for just a moment the Brookses wanted to go out on a date night, my wife and I. One problem, we got five little kids, uh, well, one big kid, four little ones uh, that need to be uh, watched. And so imagine we call our favorite babysitter, and uh, the babysitter says, yes, I'm free for that night. And we work out compensation, and the babysitter comes over, and we're looking forward to our dinner night. We got uh, dinner plans already made. And the babysitter comes, and uh, we've vetted the babysitter. Babysitter checks every box, no CPR, and has watched a whole lot of your kids as well. So we've already called and checked the references. Everything seems good. But then we leave out after leaving instructions, dinners on the stove and all the instructions. And instead of watching our kids faithfully, imagine the babysitter gets on her cell phone and begins to ignore the kids. And the kids are, are hungry and they got needs and they're coming to the babysitter and the babysitter is ignoring them and pushing them away and, and uh, could care less about their desires. And then to make matters worse, imagine the babysitter calls her friends and says, hey, come on over. They're going to be going for a few hours and let Let's have a party. Let's have some fun. And now the whole house is gripped by chaos and disorder and the kids are being ignored and they're hungry and they're not being fed and they're being pushed away by the babysitter. Let me ask you this question. What do you think those kids desire most? What do you think they want more than anything else? They want mom and dad to come back home so that order can be restored. What does that got to do with verse number four? I'll tell you. This world is out of control. The people who God ordained to care for oftentimes have missed their assignment. But don't you worry, dad's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to restore order. And so now we have a reason to rejoice because our king is coming back to restore order 
into this world. Here's the good news. The chaos will not last forever. When Jesus cracks that midnight sky, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And every right wrong will be made right. And every sin will be dealt with because he will bring justice and salvation. The ones that our heart longs for. How many thank God that our King is coming back again. So let the nations rejoice. Let the nations celebrate. And we don't have to wait, friends. We can pray now. We can praise now. We can rejoice now. We can invest in missions. We can go and we can give so that God's purposes might be fulfilled. I want us to pray today. I want you to stand up on this family Sunday, and I'm going to invite the prettiest lady in the room up to join me, my wonderful wife. Uh, she's going to join me today to join us and lead us in prayer. Um, many of you may know that Yodi comes from this awesome Ethiopian family. I was able to be married into that family. And so it's not abnormal around the Brooks household for us to pray for the nations. And today she's going to lead us in praying for the nations. How many want to see praise where praise does not currently exist? How many want to see the gospel advancing all over the world? If you could just bow your head with us, close your eyes as Yodi uh, leads us in prayer. Join us in prayer. Lord, we come before you thanking you so much for your word that is just rich and powerful and moves us to action, God. Lord, we thank you uh, for the fact that you sent your son to die for all of us, Lord. And so in that, we pray, Father, that number one, that you would continue to allow your gospel to spread throughout the nations, Lord Jesus. Not only through pastors Tony and Ashuk and the 68 missionaries that we support and global projects that we support around the world, but through all, Lord, all of the mission projects, all of the missionaries, every place, Lord, where um, there is someone who does not know you, may your gospel go forward, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that Woodsiders, Lord, would be known, Father, as a place, Lord. We would be a people that receive those of all nations, Lord. I thank you that we would reflect your heart when it comes to all people, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, also that we would support the advancement of the gospel around the world in all ways, in prayer, financially, in lifting them up and making known what you are doing around the world. Father, we thank you and just trust, Lord, that you would be glorified in all things. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.